Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome to another episode of the Insurgents Podcast. This is Frankie V with you, and I have Brian Russell with us once again. How's it going, Brian? It's going great. It's been such a joy to have these conversations with you and with the audience. I agree. And so we are continuing to look at every mention of the kingdom in the Gospels. And today's show will feature Mark 9, 42 to 49. Brian, before I read the passage for today, you were sharing something with me about soils, going back to the parable of the sower over lunch. You want to share that with our listeners? I thought it was really good. Yeah, when I think about the spiritual life, when you think about with the end in mind, if you've listened to some of the past episodes, we've talked about the parable of the soils or even the mustard seed. We always talk about growth. And a lot of times we think about the end product. So a tree, like the salmon apple tree, a tree covered with delicious apples that are all red and super inviting. That's how we want to be. We want to be fruitful Christians. But the key to being fruitful is what goes on under the surface. And Frank mentioned this in a previous episode too. It's all about the root system. But the key to a good root system is is the soil itself. And the thing I was talking to Frank about you know, what keeps us from being good, receptive soil that allows for the growth of a robust root system that then translates long term into continuous production of fruit in season and out of season and leaves that don't wither. If you want to take the image from like Psalm 1, for example, to me, it's all about can we take, and I'm going to use the word manure, manure that we have in our life and allow it not just to stink, but instead become the fertilizer or the raw materials that actually feeds our root system. So let me, let me talk about that. So what are the threats to our root system? What's the threats to us not being really good soil? I would suggest it's a, it's a, a combination of these things. I mean, most obviously, it's, it's our, own, our own sense, right? And so the habits that we do that are contradictory to God's clear revealed will from from scripture um, in our lives that's going to keep us from being good soil so willful disobedience I mean we all know that already but then it's also wounds and you know I know many I know so so many people I have I've been hurt deeply in my own life many of us bear wounds that mm-hmm. were essentially the sins of others that we were the victims of those things that could have been from our parents it could be from a bad experiences growing up in high school. It could be from just accidents that happened. It can be from all kinds of different experiences where we, we simply been wounded. So we have hurt parts of ourselves. And the scary part is we had, we really didn't have anything to do with that, but that impacts us and can keep us kind of being God's frozen chosen and prevent us from having being good soil. Mm-hmm. And take it down deeper, we can have um, bad thinking, bad theology. Like, um, you know, like if Jesus, a sign of me being blessed by God is that I'm healthy, wealthy, and wise. But then what if I'm not? Does that mean that God's against me? 
Um, that, that would be a bad thinking about God. I mean, those things kind of play in there. Yeah. So you, you put all that stuff and that, that's, that's the threats to the soil. So we all have that stuff and mm-hmm. we have to unpack that through, um, this is where podcasts can help us information, but it isn't just information that gets that stuff. We have to do something that counters those false stories that come in. Cause what those things end up, the, all that, the, our sins, our wounds, our bad theology, all that stuff ends up making essential, essentially being stuck with feelings of guilt, shame, and fear, which can translate, I'm just, um, you know, shame is I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Guilt, um, I don't do enough, or I did something wrong, and in, in, in fear, I don't have enough. That stuff blocks or can block the work that God wants to do in our lives, which is what grace is, accepting the fact that you've been unconditionally accepted. And so this is where spiritual practices come in. And again, this isn't about legalism. And Frank is so good in all his teaching about avoiding legalism. And he doesn't even like to make prescriptions about exactly what things look like. But this is when we, when you hear a person talking about a rule of life, or maybe even better, a rhythm that we get into, it's doing certain types of activities. And again, you don't have to do exactly the same thing that another person does, but it's being intentional about how we live Mm -hmm. and embracing spiritual practices that form us in the exact opposite way that the things I just talked about, sins, wounds, and bad thinking deforms us. And that's what creates the good soil. And that creates the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to actually come in our lives and do its work. Because the greatest threat to the the Spirit's work in our lives is guess what? It's me. Mm-hmm. There was that old comic, Pogo or whatever, you know, I've seen the enemy and it was us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the key to soil is being open for what God's going to do by creating a rhythm, which I think includes some physical things like exercise, making sure we're eating well. Because sometimes you can think you're having a bad spiritual day and you're just hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, there's seasons of fasting, of course, but, you know, sometimes like, well, I'm, I'm feeling really awful. Oh, I eat something. Now suddenly I feel better. We've all noticed that. So you make sure we're taking care of the temple, exercise, diet, make sure we're getting sleep. But then on top of that, you know, historically, the church has called these things the means of grace, of scripture, breaking bread with fellow Christians, prayer. And again, you find the type of prayer, the type of reading scripture, and you have great podcasts on that. You experiment with mm-hmm. different things, but find a rhythm of practices that feeds your soul mm-hmm. and allows the spirit to work in us to turn the manure in our lives into the fertilizer and raw material that then God can make a beautiful tree out of. And I live in Orlando, pretty close to the Orlando International Airport. So right south of Orlando is a little town called Kissimmee. And I like to go hiking down here. And I'm, there's this place on the trail. And Florida has some really huge ancient trees. And there's just one of these trees. It has to be over a hundred years old. The tree trunk is just enormous. But what's really cool, I love this tree, is at some point in the past, a hurricane knocked it over a tornado. So this monstrous, huge tree, the entire tree is tipped over. But, but Frank, it's not dead. This tree is literally sideways, horizontal, enormous. I mean, the, the root ball set on its side, this thing is at least two times taller than I am. But, and this is the huge but, its roots, even though they most of them got pulled out, were so robust mm-hmm. and the soil was so good that this tree literally mm-hmm. sideways 
guess what? It's growing. This branch is growing out of that tree trunk now, and I can still get I still get goosebumps. I love looking at this tree. It experienced the worst thing that happened to the tree. It got knocked over. The root ball got pulled up, but because it was in good soil and had roots, this tree is alive and it's flourishing and it's fruitful. Mm. Though if you look in a book, you're never going to see a picture of this tree because it's growing sideways. Mm. And to me, that's the picture of what um, when we talk about being good soil. And, have, and being fruitful and having a 30, 60, 100-fold harvest, it doesn't have to always look textbook. The power of God, when we open ourselves up to ongoing transformation, allow God to make our soil good, even when the worst things that happen to us, we can end up growing sideways and still being fruitful. So again, that's that, that's a, a little bit about soil. Mark 4, 6, but when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Jesus explains, and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. We've discussed on other episodes of the podcast, which you alluded to, some of the spiritual exercises that, in effect, help a person to maintain good soil and to develop roots. On the Deeper Christian Life Network, which many of our listeners are a part of, we have a masterclass entitled Beautiful Pursuit. And in it, I share all of the spiritual exercises, the practical handles on how to behold the Lord, how to spend time with Him in meaningful ways, how to commune with Him, and how to, in effect, develop spiritual root, not just individually, but corporately. And so those who are interested in the network, we open it up several times a year, and uh, people can look at the show notes. But it is vital that we have those rhythms in our life to maintain good soil and to develop roots. And I love the image that you gave about that tree. It just shows that it all comes down to the roots. Yes. And the soil. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, let's get into the text today where the kingdom of God is mentioned yet again. Mark 9, 43 to 48. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Ouch. It's better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands. To go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter, and here's that reference, it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. I just want to make a few observations about this uh, <laughs> drastic, yeah. devastating, disturbing passage about the kingdom. That is as follows. First, he juxtaposes the kingdom of God, the entering into the kingdom of God, with Gehenna, which is the symbol of final condemnation. That's the word there for hell, Gehenna. And that was, uh, of course, the rubbish heap in those days where garbage was burned as well as human bodies. Next, this is significant, I think, Brian. The word kingdom of God is synonymous with the word life. If you look at the passage altogether, he says it is better to enter into life maimed. It is better for you to enter into life lame. And then it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye. So, Eternal life 
and the kingdom of God in this passage are seen as synonymous. He's talking about the life of the coming age. Now, of course, eternal life begins now. For those who receive Christ, we have eternal life now. That's the indwelling life of Christ. It is eternal. It is not just a life that has no end, but it is a kind of life. It's a quality of life. It's divine life. But when he speaks in reference to the future, and this is all about the future, how our uh, present day life affects the future, our future destination, he's saying entering into eternal life is the life of the kingdom of God. It is the same as the kingdom of God. And I think that's significant because there are teachings that separate eternal life from the kingdom. The view that says, well, if you're converted, then you have eternal life and you will enter into eternal life. The kingdom is optional for those who want to be disciples. So they separate eternal life being the gift of God that all believers receive. They separate that from the reward of the kingdom, which is given only to some who actually follow Jesus <laughs> for real and are disciples. But you can't separate the two in this passage. They're synonymous. No, and I would actually argue that's a gross misreading to separate them, period. It's clearly here in the text that says that, but I don't think in the grand scheme. Um, I mean, the Gospels consistently use kingdom. You know, John's Gospel uses eternal life. Mm -hmm. Paul uses combinations of things, but this, I think it, it would be really difficult and dangerous for people to think that there's what, like a farm team version of the Christian life right. and then the big league version of the Christian life. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, exactly. It's like, you know, I told you one of our, you know, you, a friend that you had in the past, Alex McManus, one of the things he always uh, says about the kingdom, he likes to say, there's, let me tell you something that most Christians don't know. He usually says, he used to talk about this people when he's sharing the gospel with, say, uh, maybe a person of the Islamic faith. He, he says, you, let me tell you something that most Christians don't know. And he always says, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Jesus came to announce a kingdom. And the, mm. the kingdom is the gospel. There is no gospel apart from the kingdom. That's so, right. Yeah, and this text makes that really clear and actually makes it uh, some sky-high stakes, wouldn't you say? We start talking about cool. getting tossed into a garbage heap that's burned on fire. That's, uh, that's pretty serious. Prefer to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, whatever your theology of hell is, yeah. and we're not going to dissect yeah. that, yeah. but whatever it is, this alternative is not good, okay? It's not something desirable. So Jesus is warning that whatever offends you, makes you stumble. And this is verse 42. Whatever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And then if your hand causes you to sin. So if you put the two together, it seems to me that at least one of the big points being made here is that the gospel of the kingdom, entrance into the kingdom, which we enter now, but we also enter later, right? It's that present-future tension, yeah. right? It's the already but not yet. It requires that we are willing to cut off anything that either leads us into sin or that is sinful in itself. We are willing to lay that down. We are willing to surrender that. We are willing to sacrifice so as not to make ourselves stumble or other people stumble, especially, that's verse 42, I think to make this practical for all of us, there are things that we may tolerate in our life, Brian, that may not be sinful in themselves, but because of our own wiring, they will lead us easily into sin. Yeah, that's fair. And so there is a war here, a spiritual war for our souls. And so the Lord is basically being drastic 
intolerant, if I could use that word, and saying if anything is going to lead you into sin, even if it's one of your body parts, okay, it's better to cut that off and not have that in your life than to jeopardize your future destiny in the kingdom of God. I'm not saying this representing myself or representing any other person. This is what Jesus is saying himself. And of course, he's using very violent, a very violent image about cutting your hand off, cutting your foot off, and taking your eye out, which many commentators have connected to, you know, where you walk, what you put your hand to, or what you see yeah. as representations. Uh, you know, surely the Lord is not advising his disciples to actually maim themselves. None of the disciples in the first century did that. But the message is unmistakable. Yeah, it's clear. And I mean, like you just said, it's like the, it's a, it's a meta, it's it's hyperbolic language. So he's exaggerating, but he's being deadly serious about it. Like just like you said, the hands grasp certain things, their feet walk into certain places, and our eyes see things. And so we need to be real. I think the word is mindful and vigilant. Yeah. About um, you can think of a life as a, if you want to, if you think of a, like three circles, like some of them, like some recovery ministries use like a three circle thing. Like the thing you want to avoid, they put it in the middle. It's a red light. Mm. And then they have people create. So like if there's a sin that people are trying to avoid and if it's a recovery ministry, it's usually addiction like alcohol or I mean, um, other things, drugs, gambling, sexual addictions. You have those, these are like these red light things. And so, you know, what's metaphorically, how are you like cutting off a hand, poking out your eyes, um, cutting off your feet? It's like, well, you create this buffer area, they call it yellow light, the things that, like you said, that maybe you're tolerating, but if you jump into that zone, you're going to end up in the red zone where you don't want to be. And so then you create an around the outside. This gets back to the practices that we talked about at the very beginning of the episode that I share with you at lunchtime and that I share with the listeners. You want to create a robust green zone Mm. on the outside that's actually healthy. Mm -hmm. So so that's what it's talking about. And and I wanted to just suggest here, also talks about, and there's something real subtle, even a spiritual lesson here. You don't want to cause yourself to stumble, but you also don't want to cause other people oh, yeah. to stumble absolutely and it's interesting when it talks about little ones here you know who's jesus talking about well the two preceding paragraphs to our passage it's clear he, he ta- it, it's one of those texts where he takes a little child and he mm-hmm. says whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me whoever wants to be first must be last mm-hmm. and so it's it's mm-hmm. about um one of the ways we can cause stumbling is to be um take a little bit more too much pride and we set up um and we mm. treat other people as though they're not our own, that are equals. Mm. And the other thing that's interesting in the next text, there's a, there's somebody, there's some people in 38 to 41, teacher, we saw someone casting out a demon in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. Mm. And it's like, well, hey, these are folks that, you know, we don't know how they're doing this, but they're doing it in Jesus's name for, somehow. And mm. so it's it's thinking, it's, it's, it's a warning also about, don't cause people that are following Jesus but may not be in your group mm-hmm. to stumble too. So it's uh, there's some there's some lessons Perfect. there that I think are important for us to, to think about because again, sky high stakes, you know, the, Jesus is so serious about this that it's about poking out eyes, cutting off hands, <laughs> cutting off feet and um, making sure you don't get thrown into the, you know, the Gehenna. I think it may be difficult for Christians who are under grace and walking in grace to look at these verses without thinking legalism, right? right? Without thinking fear, 
Legalism is when you begin to put specific prescriptions on other people, prescriptions of things that you yourself are convicted against. So if I sat here and I said, okay, well, television can lead you into sin, which by the way it can, depending on what you watch. So you need to get rid of your television or else there's going to be the possibility of judgment in the future. Now that would be legalism. But just to take this as Jesus says, knowing that it is serious business to follow him, that the gospel of the kingdom requires sacrifice, and that at the end of the day, Brian, we can't do any of this in our own power and our own will. We have to have the Lord's life, grace, and mercy. This is one of the things that I say in the book often, and why I break out in prayers is because this is beyond us. There are many people listening to this that I think are caught in particular practices that are hard to break. But know this, that the Lord will give you the grace. Inherent in these words is the promise that it can be done. Yes. You know what I mean? Sure. So anytime Jesus gives a demand, inherent in that demand is the promise that he will give you the power to overcome. If you seek and keep knocking and keep asking and keep pursuing, he will give you the grace and the power to do that that which he has asked of us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the Insurgents has begun. Don't miss it. Thank you.